Enduring Aesthetics Podcast, guys. I'm Daniel, and this is Clint. Hey, guys. Uh, we like to get together every week and talk about classic bodybuilding, classic bodybuilding stories from the past. Um, today, we've got a really exciting episode. Clint is going to share some stories, and we're going to talk a little bit about a guy named Pref- Professor <coughs> Attila. Um, Clint, why don't you start us off and tell us, uh, kind of start us off with the synopsis. Who is Professor Attila? Sure, absolutely. Um, so last week, we talked about Sandow, right? Um, and essentially um, talked a little bit about his mentor, uh, Professor Attila, um, mm-hmm. who you know basically discovered him. So, um, but he's much more important to um, bodybuilding than just discovering the father of bodybuilding. So I kind of wanted to touch on him a little bit and um, and let our viewers know who he was because he's a lot more important to bodybuilding. Um, and, um, not many people know about him, you know, um, we were talking about, yeah, I actually didn't know that Sandow even had anybody that did train him. I thought he was like self-taught or had learned from, you know, reading something from ancient Greek or something like that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have heard of Sandow, don't really know a lot about him, but hardly anybody's heard of Professor Attila. So, um, let's dive in. Um, just like, uh, Sandow. Um, uh, Ludwig Durlacher um, was his given name when he was born in 1844, um, and he was German as well, just like Sandow. Um, at his uh, peak physical condition, he was uh, about 5'4", small guy, um, and weighed around 175 pounds. Um, he got started um, in lifting weights, bodybuilding, um, when he saw the Italian strongman, I think this is how you pronounce his name, Felice Napoli. Um, and then he decided that he wanted to be a strong man as well. So he talked to him and uh, got an apprenticeship under him and studied how to become a strong man. And then uh, took out on his own uh, with a solo uh, strongman act under the name Attila. He adopted that as a stage name in 1863 when he was 19 years old. Um, some important things about him, um, he's generally considered to be the inventor of the bent press, um, which we don't really uh, do anymore. It's not really that good on the joints. I think I sent you some pictures of that. Um, uh, he was uh, considered the inventor of the shot-loading glow barbell, the, the barbells with the big rounded um, yep. metal weights on the sides yeah, yeah. That, that we think of when we think of the old-time strongmen. Um, and something that's the one that, uh, Sandow's holding in the actual trophy, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The old, the old time, uh, barbells. Um, and then something that we still use today, he's considered the inventor of the Roman chair, which of course is a great, um, um, ab exercise. Um, and, um, so he did a strongman act for, um, several years, uh, a little over 20 years. And he noticed that he was constantly asked for training advice from others. And um, so at the age of 42, around 1886 or 1887, um, he decided to um, kind of shift his focus from the strongman act and um, get into the gym business. So 
he opened a gym in Brussels and started um, training others and, um, you know, kind of supplementing his income from the Strongman Acts um, with his gym. Um, it was there in his gym in Brussels that he probably met Sandow. We don't know for sure, but that's where everyone thinks it probably occurred. Um, and he noticed um, the great um, potential of Sandow, and he started training him uh, to be a strong man as well. Um, and he started training him, and this is where Professor Attila is very important to bodybuilding. Um, he was pretty much the first person to understand progressive weight training um, that we use today, that bodybuilders use, um, which is essentially that in order to get bigger muscles, you have to lift big. Um, you have to increase the weight. You have to increase the reps, increase the sets. Um, he understood that. and um, So he's likely one of the first people to record how much weight and progressively go heavier and heavier? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the training up until that time was more kind of like a circuit training almost. You know, okay. um, if you're going to do um, – different exercises, um, you know, kind of lighter weight, um, higher reps and, and real quick, you know, it was almost more cardio that they were doing, um, back then. And he kind of understood the fact that, um, probably I'm guessing through experimentation on himself that, um, you know, that the muscles grew, the more weight you used and, you know, the, the more sets you did and, and things like that. So, right, right. um, in, in my opinion, that's kind of his, um, greatest contribution to, to bodybuilding. Um, that, that I guess, and discovering Sandow. Um, but, um, so he essentially changed the way that people worked out. Yeah, exactly. And, um, wow. and, and his first gym was in Brussels, but he would, Everywhere he went, and of course, you know, he traveled with Sandow doing strongman acts and things like that. Everywhere he went in many different countries, he opened gyms. And so across those gyms, he incorporated the progressive weight training. So more and more people started lifting like he was. And um, and so, you know, the idea of it just kind of spread along with um, his gyms all over the world. So um, I think that was you know, really important in the development of bodybuilding. Um, and, um, so eventually he goes, uh, to America. He arrived in New York city in 1893 and he opened a gym there. Um, and, um, another big thing about him was he was, um, one of the first ones to realize the benefits that weightlifting had to sports, to athletic performance. Um, and so he started, um, he actually sought out, um, you know, high level athletes in America and basically said, I want to train you. Um, I want people to see, um, you know, how much better, um, athletes can be with weight training in their respective sports. Um, so he actually had to go and sell it. They didn't come to him. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, cause you know, up until, Man, I mean, even into the, what, probably, you know, 50s and 60s, um, maybe even into the 70s, um, doctors were still under the impression that, you know, lifting weight like that was bad for your health, bad for your heart. Um, wow. There was this there was this idea um, that you would become, you know, muscle-bound 
which um, is kind of a compliment these days for someone to tell you that you're muscle bound. <laughs> but but back then yeah. it was it was more meant that you know you're so muscular that you really can't move. You know you you're you're not flexible. Um, you're you're just like a giant meatball basically, and um, and that's that's what the doctors of that day thought, um, and um, and not only that, that's what the coaches thought, you know, and and football, basketball, all all the major sports. So um, they would actually um, you know tell their their athletes not to lift weights because they were worried about um, potentially detrimental effects to. Um, you know, the sport that their athletes were playing in, if they lifted these weights, they, you know, with the increased muscle, they might become slower, um, you know, uh, less flexible, things like that. And, you know, it's funny that we've actually found that, you know, for it to be the opposite of that, that it increases athletic performance, increases speed and, and things like that. Of course, depending on, you know, how you're lifting and things like that. Right, right, um, right. But yeah, no, he... It wasn't a popular idea, so yeah, he actually did have to um, sell it, like you said, and and he would actually take out ads in um, the big um, kind of sporting newspaper back then, which was called the Police Gazette, and um, uh, and and one person um, that he got in contact with that actually took him up on this offer was um, he was at the time the world heavyweight champion in boxing, um, James Corbett. Uh, also known as Gentleman Jim was his nickname. And, um, and he sought him out because he wanted to increase his punching power for his next bout. Um, and so he trained with Professor Attila. And uh, in his next fight, who, which was against Charlie Mitchell, um, he knocked him out in only three rounds. And I've noted wow. here, I, I looked at Gentleman Jim's entire career, um, and that was the quick, quickest knockout of his career by far. Um, so, you know, whatever. So definitive proof right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and he gave Professor Attila um, a lot of credit for it um, in the future and was, you know, quick to point out that if it wouldn't have been for him, you know, he wouldn't have done as well. Um, so we're, we're starting to see through Professor Attila, you know, how, how helpful weight training can be in sports. Um, and uh, another really interesting thing about Professor Attila is he was, um, again, um, probably one of the first gym owners ever to train women and to actually invite women into his gym. And, um, and, you know, they would train right along with the, the men, um, like occurs today in, in all the gyms. And that's a really, really big deal. I mean, yeah. What, when was this around what time? Uh, the 1890s. Um, wow. you're right. I mean, it's a big deal. And, and you even hear, yeah. you know, guys talk into the fifties, sixties, seventies about how a lot of these gyms they went to the, the silver and golden era bodybuilders, how they were for men only, you know, a lot of women, uh-huh. women weren't allowed or, um, you know, it really wasn't until the eighties that, you know, they, in the big fitness craze in the eighties that they started combining men and women into gyms and, um, and things like that. So he so, was way ahead of the curve. Then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When it came to weight training, when it came to training women, yeah, he was ahead of his time. Um, and, um, an- another thing I have noted on here is that he was one of the first people to realize that, um, weight training reduced the aging process that, you know, the more, um, the more that you train, 
the easier it is, the older you get. So, um, okay. And that was, you know, directly in conflict with how they thought back then. And, um, so it's just, so did it, he, did he weight train into old age as well? He did. Yeah. He continued to train. Um, I have here in my notes that he died in 1924. So he would have been about 80 years old. Um, which oh, of course, wow. you know, I mean, that's, that's a good life these days. That was definitely a well, a great life. life back um, then. Yeah. Yeah. Back for the late 1800s, early 1900s. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was just ahead of his time when it came to weightlifting. Um, and then some, some other notes I have here is that he, um, coached many old time strong men, including, uh, Louis Sear, who's, um, we might make a video on him too. He's, yep. He's regarded by a lot of people as probably the, the strongest man ever. Um, the stuff that, that he did was just incredible. Um, and he, he was trained um, by Professor Attila. And um, Professor Attila was also fluent in five different languages, which because of wow. that and, and his great um, you know training advice, I have here that he was the advisor or the consultant to um, – the King of England, King of Denmark, uh, King of Greece, <laughs> and the Tsarina of Russia. So, um, you know, that's just, epic. A- absolutely. Um, yeah. And and um, I have on here too. The last last little note I have is that his youngest daughter, um, whose name was Grace, she married um, the famous uh, strongman bodybuilder uh, Sigmund Klein, who we might do a video on as well. Um, who was a great uh, bodybuilder, um, in the bronze age and silver age as well. Um, who ran, um, a famous gym in, in New York city who actually took over, um, the operating his, uh, professor Attila's gym. Um, and that gym didn't close until 1974. So, um, you know, the gym was, uh, running for about 80 years. So it must've wow. done, uh, must've done very well. Um, a man ahead of his time and, um, someone who, you know, we can thank for, um, giving us, uh, the, you know, the, the reason that we lift the way we do today as bodybuilders. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, totally turning the way we train around and then training the father of bodybuilding. I would consider that pretty huge. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah he, he played a large, a large part, um, in the history of bodybuilding and, um, and very, very few know, know anything about him. So, um, really interesting guy. Thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Enduring Aesthetics Podcast. If you did like the episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. Comment below what you liked best and what you'd like to see in the future. Clint and I are going to be getting together each week to talk about classic bodybuilding and classic bodybuilding history. You can find this podcast here on YouTube each week or on your favorite player like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. See you next week, guys.